gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman. The Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, The Superman Fan Podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, Superman Forever Radio, The Superman Vidcast, The World's Best Podcast, The SFR Daily Planet, and Radio KL from supermanhomepage.com, as well as the audio dramas Superman, Last Son of Krypton, and Supergirl, Last Daughter of Krypton, from Pendant Audio Productions. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, J. David Weeder, Cayman Stoll, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co-host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to episode number 22 of Superman in the Bronze Age, the only podcast covering Superman's adventures in the 70s and early 80s. Um, today, I'm going to do the first in a series of episodes that will go back and, well, go over the ongoing Morgan Edge subplot that I wanted to go back and cover since I've actually had mentions of it in the last few issues of the main Superman books that I've been covering on the show. Uh, so for the most part, this subplot really only made progress in the Jimmy Olsen series. So I'm going to go back in the Wayback Machine to October 1970 to Jack Kirby's first issue on the book. Now, I'm going to tell you right away uh, that the Edge subplot is not touched on in every issue. But uh, for the most part, uh, Kirby's run is basically one really long story. So I'm pretty much going to be covering most, if not all, of Kirby's run on this book over the next several episodes. So, since we have no new emails or iTunes reviews, which made me cry, but I got over it, just sit back and relax while I play a quick promo, and... After these messages, we'll be right back. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. I'm Batman. This looks like a job for Superman. Thank you. 
monthly Mondays. Available the third Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Okay, we're going to start off with Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 133, with a cover date of October 1970. It was released on August 25th, 1970, for a very modest 15 cents. And the title of the story is The Newsboy Legion, written by Jack Kirby, penciled by Jack Kirby, inked by Vince Coletta. Uh, Superman and Jimmy Hids were done by Al Plastino, and the editor was Murray Boltonoff. Uh, This story was reprinted three times so far uh, in Superman in the 70s from 2000, Jimmy Olsen Adventures by Jack Kirby, Volume 1, from 2003, and Jack Kirby's Fourth World Omnibus, Volume 1, from 2007. Uh, We begin with Jimmy arriving at an old garage where he meets a group of kids who refer to themselves as the legendary Newsboy Legion. They are, in turn, or they, in turn, introduce him to the Whiz Wagon, which they will be using to get into the wild area. Meanwhile, in the office of Morgan Edge, President of the Galaxy Broadcasting System, who currently own the Daily Planet now, uh, Edge and Clark Kent bring the audience up to speed on what's been going on since we're pretty much dumped into the middle of the story. It seems Edge has sent Jimmy to get the story on the wild area because the Harrys, quote-unquote Harrys, that inhabit it do not trust anyone over the age of 25. He has also set up the newsboys with the whiz wagon. So as Clark leaves the office, Edge then contacts Intergang, giving them the go-ahead for a perfect accident. Downstairs, Clark is too busy going over Jimmy's assignment to notice a car speeding his way. It runs down Clark, but miraculously, he survives. As this is all happening, Jimmy and the newsboys pilot the whiz wagon to the end of the Metropolis River, where they are attacked by two masked men, Iron Mask and Voodoo, causing them to crash through trees and land on a magnetic rock. Escaping from the wagon, they are soon pinned down by their attackers, but are saved by a sneak attack by Flipper Dipper. Jimmy and the newsboys attack, and finally end the fight when Jimmy punches out Iron Mask. Suddenly, they are surrounded by the Outsiders, who inform the group that Iron Mask was their leader. Jimmy, KOing him, means that Jimmy is now their new leader. So back in Metropolis, Clark changes to Superman and flies off to find Jimmy. Using his heat vision, he's able to follow the heat wave after image of the whiz wagon to where no uh using his heat vision, he follows the heat wave after image of the whiz wagon to where Jimmy and the newsboys were ambushed. Surprisingly, they and the whiz wagon are gone, but Superman finds the magnetic rock. Lifting it, he finds a passageway into the wild area where he is attacked first by some gunners, then Jimmy and the Outsiders. Then, Yango, one of the Outsiders, blasts Superman with his Paralyzer Rod, which knocks out the hero due to the green kryptonite in its beam. When he wakes up, the newsboys bring him up to speed before introducing him to Habitat, the city of trees. Turns out, the Outsiders found it and just, you know, took it over. Then, Jimmy and the Outsiders arrive and explain what has been going on. He shows Superman an old map made by the original discoverers of the wild area. He explains that his assignment was actually to find out about the mysterious Mountain of Judgment, which can only be reached via the Zoomway. 
Suddenly, everyone is rocked by a loud rumbling, which Yanko identifies as the Mountain of Judgment moving. Jimmy sees strange lights in the distance and has the outsiders rev up their vehicles. It's time to go to the Mountain of Judgment. Wow, there was a lot of stuff in that issue, wasn't there? And it's amazing how much of this stuff um, I was kind of used to from following the post-crisis Superman stuff. So to see it in the pre-crisis is really cool, especially since this is the kind of origin. Unfortunately, there's a few problems with this story. Uh, first of all, it feels like we're coming in the middle of the story between, you know, the Daily Planet's already been bought out by Galaxy Broadcasting, owned by Mike, uh, by Mike, by Morgan Edge. Uh, Jimmy's already on his story. Uh, he the, apparently the newsboys already know that Jimmy's going to be on the story and have the whizwhack. So much of this stuff has already been done, set up, and it feels like we're coming in on issue two. Um, Clark gets run over in full view of everybody. He's fortunate that it's viewed as a miracle, but he literally gets run over by a car and isn't hurt at all. First of all, this version of Superman would have noticed that car coming and time to get out of the way. Two, I would also think that at this point, people would be like, he must be Superman, or something like that. So, this is... Um, I'm guessing still Kirby getting a feel for DC. Also, uh, Al Plastino, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Jack Kirby, it was a real coup to get Jack Kirby over to DC from Marvel at this point in his career. Um, Kirby had been kind of uh, getting disgruntled over at Marvel with uh, Stan Lee uh, making changes to his plots or taking credit for stuff. And um, so he left Marvel, came over to DC. Basically, he was given, um, he was pretty much let loose to do whatever he wanted. One of the things he wanted to do was get one of the low-selling titles, which happened to be Jimmy Olsen. So he brings in and introduces a whole bunch of stuff. Later on, he's going to basically create his own little universe inside the DC universe. Uh, we will be seeing books like um, The Forever People, the New Gods, Mr. Miracle, and more. Um, Commandy, uh, just showing up, uh, obviously in the Jack Kirby style. I don't even know how the man had time to do all these, but he did them. Um, and for some reason, uh, whether it was Carmine Infantino at the, all the way at the top at this point, um, or somebody else, it was decided that Jack Kirby's art didn't mesh well with the established model for Superman. Because, and of course, this, I don't, as, I, as I have read, this never sat well with Kirby because, uh, well, basically, if you think about it, this guy had just invented Marvel, basically, or helped to invent Marvel. Um, other than one or two books, he was pretty much created every character that Marvel was publishing at the time. And his his look was the model look for that whole company and other artists for the most part were supposed to ape his style so for having him coming over here and telling him his superman's not good enough probably would have ticked him off so in order to make him look more like the established superman image that we've seen from kurt swan and others al plastina was brought in to redraw the heads of superman and to a lesser extent jimmy olsen it doesn't mesh well because Plastino's style is very different from Kirby. 
and I think plastine also redrew some of the S's, but I don't know. In any event, it's really weird how they did it. I've seen the images. Kirby basically drew the whole thing, and then they pasted heads over them, over his, and it's sad. But um, and for whatever reason, they've done it. It happens pretty much the whole time Kirby is on is at DC, and it never looks good. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. Um, so anyway, on the plus side though, uh, this one issue uh, introduces. I want you to look at this. In one issue, Jack Kirby has brought to the DC Universe Morgan Edge, WGBS, Intergang, The Ways Wagon, The Wild Area, The Outsiders, and Habitat, while not only reintroducing the, ne the Newsboy Legion, but also including Flipper Dipper, who wasn't an original member. So this is a big deal issue, which is why it's very expensive to find a regular, an original copy. Also. Other than the Plastino heads, this is classic Kirby art. It's got action. It's got square fingers. I mean, it is Kirby art, and it looks really cool. So definitely, I recommend checking this one out. In fact, I recommend checking all of these out. So I'm going to play a couple promos, and we'll come back with the next issue. After these messages, we'll be right back. Over 70 years of history in film, television, radio, and comics. Who are you? A friend. A hero sent to Earth from a doomed planet to fight for truth, justice, and the American way. A strange visitor from another planet? Superman. This looks like a job for Superman. Superman Forever Radio. A look at Superman's history in all mediums, from comics to film to merchandise, animation, and beyond. I'm your mild-mannered host, J. David Weeder. Join me every Sunday and Thursday for a twice-weekly exodus into the world of Superman. Sundays we explore a wide range of topics throughout the mythology, from the heights of Metropolis to the fields of Smallville and to the depths of the galaxy of Krypton. Plus the latest news, gossip, and a look at Superman and other media. On Thursdays, we review the Superman comics following the Infinite Crisis in 2006, all the way up to the present, month-by-month, issue-by-issue. And don't forget the SFR Daily Planet, a mini-cast giving you the scoop on the Man of Steel as it happens. So visit supermanforever.com or iTunes and, of course, the Superman Podcast Network and begin the never-ending battle today. Superman Forever Radio. All Superman. All the time. fan podcast is turning over a new leaf for 2011 with the growth of Superman podcasts in 2010 covering the golden age of Superman the bronze age Superman the post crisis Superman as well as current Superman stories I noticed that there was not a podcast which covered the silver age of Superman stories and since I began reading comic books in the early to mid 1960s right in the middle of the silver age 
I decided it would be a perfect opportunity for me to cover the Silver Age of Superman stories. One week I will cover the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and eventually Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. The next week I will cover the Man of Steel's titles of Superman and Action Comics, as well as the Supergirl stories. And I will alternate episodes in this fashion through 1970 when Mark Weisinger retired. The home website is at supermanfanpodcast.mypodcast.com and expanded show notes are at supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com. Your emails are welcome at supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com and I look forward to reading them. The Superman Fan Podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network, which you can find at www.fortressofbailey2.com slash supermanpodcastnetwork, where you can find all of the podcasts covering every era of the Man of Steel. Episodes are also available on iTunes. So join me each week as we fly through the time barrier and journey through the Silver Age adventures of Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. Okay, our final issue for this month, for this week, is Jimmy Olsen number 134, with a cover date of December 1970, because they, because I guess due to bad timing, uh, after introducing Jack Kirby on the book and leaving him with a cliffhanger, we skip a month. Because Jimmy Olsen only came out 10 times a year at this point. Um, I had a cover date of 19th of December 1970 on sale October 13th 1970 uh, with a cool Neil Adams cover this time and it's it actually in some spots looks like he's either aping Jack Kirby or maybe Kirby kind of drew it a little bit and excuse me and Adams inked it but all the cover credits I've been able to find just give Neil Adams cover or credit for it. The title of this issue is The Mountain of Judgment, written and drawn by Jack Kirby, inked by Vince Coletta, with Superman and Jimmy Heads being drawn by Al Plastino, and again, the editor was Murray Boltonoff, and this issue uh, was only reprinted twice, and I suppose to the three times like last issue, uh, in Jimmy Olsen, Adventures by Jack Kirby, Volume 1, from 2003, and Jack Kirby's Fourth World Omnibus, Volume 1, from 2007. Picking up from the end of last issue, Jimmy and the Newsboys and the Outsiders prepare to go after the Mountain of Judgment. Superman again tries to stop them, but is attacked by a kryptonite weapon that knocks him out. While Superman is taken away, the others take off for the Zoomway. First, they encounter an ill-kept road then a steep incline, then an underwater course, then a very slippery road, then a nightmare of kaleidoscopic form and color, which, ironically, 
probably due to the print limitations of this time period, is limited to yellow, black, and white. Back at Habitat, Superman wakes up and goes after Jimmy and the crew. He catches up to them just as they are about to be overcome by the Mountain of Judgment. Superman picks up the whiz wagon before it can be crushed, but they are all sucked into the mountain's eye. Once they land, the Harrys introduce themselves before finding an alpha bomb hidden inside the whiz wagon's video camera. After Superman detonates the bomb, he admits to Jude, the leader of the Oh, hey, Jude. He admits to Jude, the leader of the Harrys, that he has seen their top-secret file and knows what they are doing. All that anyone will admit to Jimmy and the newsboys is that they are a new mobile scientific society and reside in the Mountain of Judgment to avoid their enemies. Meanwhile, in his office in the Galaxy Broadcast Building, Morgan Edge is told by his master, Darkseid, that he has failed and to await further orders. Now, see, that was short. And pro one of my big, big nitpicks with this issue is that not a whole lot happens um, because of how well how much it's spread out. I wonder if it's some kind of pacing issue or if Kirby just, like, just really wanted to draw the stuff this time. Uh, but it is weird pacing considering all the stuff that was packed into the last issue. Um, and then we don't get a whole lot on this one. Uh, on the plus side, though, the art still looks good, other than the whole heads thing. And this, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, is the first official appearance of Darkseid. And it is pretty quiet. We don't see his powers or much of anything, just him. And hopefully he becomes bigger. Um, but yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Um, not much else happened in the story. Uh, but it is to be continued. And we will pick up again next month with two more issues of Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen, number 135 and 136. And I will see you then. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network at www.fortressofbailey2.com slash supermanpodcastnetwork, where new episodes are posted weekly. Episodes are also posted at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com and supermanhomepage.com. You can also subscribe to this show via RSS feed and iTunes. All images, characters, and music used in the show are for entertainment purposes only. No money is made by the show. Superman is created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications.